0: Welcome to the Don't Knock It Podcast, where we address misconceptions about Jesus' character, his church, and his word. By doing this, we hope to encourage you to delight in Christ before dismissing him, to know him before knocking him. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez, and this is the fourth installment of season four, The Hard Sayings of Jesus, specifically what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, pluck out or gouge out your eye and cut off your hand. And to help me address this hard saying, I am joined by my good friend Tommy Paneri. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, man. Blessed to be here. I'm blessed to have you, man. I've I've this is a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Long time coming. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just grateful that you're able to uh come on the show and help me address this hard saying of Jesus. So before we go any further, let's uh, give the audience a little a little background on who Tommy Paneri is. So um tell us about yourself man.
1: Yeah. Um my, obviously my name is Tommy Paneri. Um I'm a son of a strong single single parent. Um grown up with two brothers a sister. You know, I've grown up in a Christian home and I mean when I was a sophomore in high school that's when I really devoted my life to the Lord and since then I've been serving him ever since. I mean Bible believing, going to church, um trusting in the lord and leaning on his promises every day. So that's Tommy Paneri right there little quick short version of it, right?
0: So you think so what do you do? What consumes most of your time?
1: Yeah, so um uh right now I'm a video editor um for a ministry that is called Good Fight and I'm very blessed to to have been put in this this position, you know, um it's always been it's always been on my heart to serve in ministry and to to either go on mission trips or to, to help people out. And the Lord graciously put me in this position to be in a spot where I make videos for a YouTube channel that has over 150,000 subscribers, like a lot of reach. And so, um, a lot of, a lot of time I'm, I'm uh, video editing and doing so many different things and trying to go on mission trips, trying to juggle mm-hmm. a million and one different things, but God is good and he's blessed me with that. So,
0: yeah. Um, I don't even think I know this, uh, but can you tell us a little bit about how you came to the faith?
1: Oh, yeah. So like I said, in sophomore year of high school, it was it was a time at which I was kind of questioning um, questioning so many things in my life. I just got out of um, homeschooled in middle school. So for two years, I was homeschooled. I went to public school and elementary school, and my mom saw that I was changing, and she said, you know, I want you... I want you to go homeschooled, And, you know, I, I see that you're changing. I see the influence these kids are having at your school. So I don't think that's healthy for you. So we're going to take two years off and we're going to homeschool you. And at the time, I'm like, this is the worst. Like, <laughs> I hate you. All my <laughs> friends are here. Like, my, my best friend ended up being in the class that I would have been in for my homeroom. Like, oh, we would have been tight and everything. But so I was homeschooled and then coming back to, to public school and high school it was freshman year and I was that awkward, goofy homeschool kid that didn't have the clothes. Like everyone was, would make fun of me like, bro, like why are you wearing this stuff? Like what's wrong with your hair? Do you get a haircut? Like what's going on? So, so then that, that happened and I was just trying to fit the mold. Um, freshman year I was trying to, to appease what everyone wanted from me. Like whether it was popularity, whether it was sports, whether it was like whatever it was. And, when sophomore year came around, I, I grew in my faith, and I will say the probably the biggest thing that had an impact on me in that time was at my church, there was um, like a high school group, and the, the youth pastor there would always hit on sin, would always hit hard on like the topics that were pertaining to me at school, mm-hmm. and I'd see other kids, and other kids in my high school group at church were like, they'd brush it off, they'd go home, they'd do the same thing. But for me it would it would hit me deep and I'm like, man, there's like if I truly do believe that Jesus is God, why would I be doing these things? Like and those questions would eat at me at night and I'm like, man, that's a good point. Like, why do I care so much? Why do I want to be so much like the world if I'm not of it? You know? And that realization kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And ultimately, high school, it's I mean, for a public school for those who are proclaiming Christ and are born again blood bought believers, it's it's a dog eat dog world. Like it's a, it's a tough place to be. And it means like not having friends, like for lunch, literally after sophomore year, I would either eat lunch by myself or I'd be awkward at a table, like with the football players and I wouldn't be talking much. They'd be making crude jokes. And, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, no, I'm not like I made that decision in my heart. Like I'm not going to partake in these things anymore. Like I don't, I don't want to be like these people and I saw what it did in my, in my family through my brothers. Like I have two older brothers and I saw how it grieved my mom's heart. I saw how later in life they ended up regretting all the things they did. I'm like, why would I want to do that? You know, I wanted to learn from their mistakes so that I didn't have to make the same ones. Mm-hmm. So
0: honestly, there's a lot of wisdom in being able to learn from other people's mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, rather than you actually having to go through that Mm -hmm. and learn those learn through those mistakes yourself um i want to go back to something that you said er, earlier how you decided you saw you were witnessing the environment around you Mm -hmm. and you decided to be different Mm -hmm. um i just i want to sit in that a little bit Mm -hmm. what it like do you remember specifically like what that felt like because uh, i'm a teacher at a public or not Mm -hmm. a public, uh, a private Christian school. And the mob mob mentality there is huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's something that I experienced in public school. Like I went, you know, I was in public school since, you know, well, basically like I went to public school all the way up until high school. And then I even went to a secular college, two Mm -hmm. secular colleges. Mm -hmm. So I've been around like the, I guess the secular Mm -hmm. community for a while. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's like no different, mm-hmm. you know, the mob mentality, mm-hmm. the, the, the wanting to fit in yeah. is just as prevalent yeah. in the private sector than it is in the secular one. And so I just wanted to ask you like, what, what does it take? Mm. You know, what does it take, yeah. um, for a sophomore, um, you know, 16, 15, 16 yeah, year right old there, yeah. to be like, you know what? I don't want to be like you, not in a self-righteous mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. But more so in a way of like, yeah, I, I understand the harm yeah. that is going on here, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't want it. Yeah. Well,
1: I think one of the main parts, and this will probably come up later too, the main parts that led to that, that thought in my mind and that action was the fact that I realized what Jesus said was true. I realized the Word of God was true. I realized the prophecies that happened in the Old Testament that were fulfilled validate what the Bible says you know, it's something where it's, it's proven, it's tested, it's, it's real and it's alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So when I was, when I was realizing that in my sophomore year, everything else kind of paled. Like I didn't care to be seen with the, the most popular kid at school because I had something far greater. I had the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Why would I forsake that for this momentary pleasure, you know? And maybe my like the way i think kind of helped me i'm very analytical and i can i can be like well that makes no sense at all why would i why would i want mm-hmm. you know the, rational. Man, yeah the man's approval you know when i yeah. have god's approval so i think coming to that realization that the bible is true and that it hurts god's heart when i do these things you know and i think that's really what drove me um to just be different mm-hmm. to to be honest with the Lord and before myself and not have a, a two, um, like a double life, you know, so many kids in high school that go to church, they have a double life. They go to high school, they, they do whatever with their friends and then they come to church and they act like nothing's wrong. And, and for me, that would, that was terrible. Like it would eat away at me. I would hate that, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: So. Yeah. it, It reminds me of something that I, that I've learned in the past, honestly, like in the past year Mm -hmm. where I feel like the reason why high school students, specifically high school students, uh, and even more specifically like teenage boys Mm -hmm. who act that way, who act, who act one way at school and then another way at church Mm -hmm. is because they don't, they don't find a home or a place at their church. Yeah, You know, church is something that is my parents deal. And Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, I just go along for the ride so that they allow me to hang out with my friends. Right. You can't go here Mm -hmm. unless you go to church or unless you go to youth group on, you know, Thursday, Friday nights or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And it just becomes apparent. Uh, and it reminds me of like when I was growing up, when I, I went to North Carolina for a summer league Mm-hmm. Uh, my for sophomore yeah for baseball yeah. uh my sophomore year of college like the sophomore year no um my junior year going into my senior year and and my host my host family my host mom mm-hmm. obviously like from north carolina super small town in yeah. north carolina and she was she started speaking bad about youth that that gets into gangs mm-hmm and she was like, "I just don't understand it. Like, oh, yeah. why don't you just like act right?" And basically, just bad mouthing so, all yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. And so, in my mind, with my background, like being raised in the south side of Oxnard, I was like, "But you don't? Do you understand why?" It's a family that. Yeah, it's the it's their family. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't have a father figure at home, or they don't have a loving mother who is nurturing, yeah. and so they seek it out. They'll seek it out from um, the older boys, mm-hmm. like on the streets, because now they're giving they're giving them opportunities to feel loved and to feel welcomed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the in a roundabout way, uh teenage boys feel like that with uh with the church. Yeah. Like, hey, you're like the the idea of a man mm-hmm. is more attractive from what the world is telling me a, a man is than what the churches um mm-hmm. uh, what the church is giving me. Yeah. Right. Because the men, usually in the men in the church aren't as involved mm-hmm. and i don't want to speak to yeah. you know go far into too far into that yeah but oftentimes uh we and this is something that i'm actively like actively mm-hmm. talking to the young men at the school to the, the school that i work at yeah. um that i try to like explain that to them like hey this is what the church is for yeah um, you know, obviously like it's the, the preaching of the word of God, uh, the fellowship of the saints, the breaking of bread, mm-hmm. but ultimately like you learn how to become a man. Yeah. Primarily in the home, mm-hmm. but if not in the home, cause I have a few students who don't have father figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that's not there, mm-hmm. if it's not in the home, then it should be at the church. Amen. Yeah. This is, this is what God has given the church for, mm-hmm. uh, one of the many reasons, yeah. uh, as to why he, he. He's building up this body.
1: No, yeah, and I could speak to that too because, I mean, growing up with a single parent, like, my dad was not involved in my life, you know, growing up. So we had to rely hugely on people at the church, you know, whether it was, like, we couldn't pay rent or we couldn't um, afford groceries. Like, the church would come in and they would help and they were there for us, you know. If there was, like, people like father figures that I would look up to at the church, you know, who would take me on trips and would show me what it meant, you know, Mm -hmm. to be cared for and to be treasured, you know. And of course, like having a mom who loves me and cares for me, that's important too. But like that father figure hole that kids have is, it's detrimental to a lot of people, you know. So, I mean, that was one thing I was immensely blessed with in that I was able to I was able to find people that I could be with. Like, whether whether I wasn't at school, when I wasn't at school, there was always a house to go to. Mm-hmm. There was always someone at my church who had an open open doors. Like, whenever you guys are free, you can hang out with my kids. Like, we were able to just hang out, be in a, under a safe roof where there wasn't anything bad going on, you know, where there was always something to do, you know. Yeah. Like, there were times where I'd be invited to parties at at school, but I'm like, these people I don't really, I don't identify with. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to be with the believers as much as I can. Like, the Christians that I care for and that care for me, that I've seen care for my family, like, you know, like, I'd choose them 10 out of 10 times. They're the ones who are actually there for me when I need something, so...
0: Yeah. And I think that that is a perfect segue into our passage for today. Mm -hmm. Something, a very valuable lesson that you learned when you were a sophomore Mm -hmm. is what would lead you off of the path Mm -hmm. that God has for you. Because Mm -hmm. you were already exposed to the truth. Yeah. Right. You already understood, you know, obviously to some capacity, the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to die and seek. You learned Mm -hmm. that there are various ways, various things, various avenues opportunities, environments that would cause you mm-hmm. to stray from that path, to cause you to stumble. Yeah. And so that leads us perfectly into our hard saying for today. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, Matthew 5, verse 29 and 30. And I'll just read the passage and then we'll, we'll dive, ra- dive right into right. it. So Matthew 5, verse 29 and 30 read, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So referring to this text, Mm -hmm. what does Jesus? Because this is Jesus talking, right? It's -hmm. it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, What does Jesus mean by this? Is he really telling his listeners to do away with the pieces of their bodies mm-hmm. that we sin with?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I mean, I know there was uh, maybe times in the past, or I don't know if it was the early church, where they were accused of actually taking this literally or doing things to their body, you know, to to stop them from sinning. But I think it's pretty clear Jesus isn't literal here, because think about it, if you cut out cut off your hand, you still have another hand. Mm-hmm. If you gouge out your eye, you still got another one that you can sin with, that you can still look at stuff with. And, you know, this being on the heels of lust and um, adultery, you know, it's pretty pertaining. Like, And I think this is something that I'll say. if If your hand literally was causing you to stumble or say your eye was the literal thing that was causing you to stumble, then I think Jesus would literally mean cut it off because it would be better for you to lose that and stop sinning than to um than to go to hell and keep your member mm-hmm. which but then the thing is is we know that's not the thing that actually is causing you to sin. We know the things that are causing you to sin are either your bad friends, the TV, the the iPhone, the um the evil lust that you have as a person, your heart, you know, it's so many different things that this world offers that can fog up our minds. And I just, I love what he says too, because he makes it, he makes it so, um, so drastic. He's telling Mm -hmm. us to take drastic measures to take out things in our lives that would cause us to stumble. Like he knows it would be better for us to, to enter heaven without a hand than, than to, uh, go to hell with a hand. So, Mm -hmm. um, I love what he says, throw it away, Take whatever it is and throw it, like mm-hmm. cast it far from you, you know, like get whatever it is that's causing you to enter into this um, adultery, um, sin, what whatever it may be, and throw it from you, like get it out of your sight. Whatever thing is tripping you up, causing you to stumble, do away with it. Like, mm-hmm. why, why is it that so many Christians nowadays are lulled in this sleep of, you know, well, you know, I can, I can overcome this on my own. Like I I don't, I don't really need to take drastic measures to, to overcome this. And then they, they fall and then they fall and then they fall and then they don't take those drastic measures, measures, and they get to the point where they sear their conscience and then they're continually in sin. You know, it's, it's a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. So no, I don't think he's being literal. Yeah. So definitely not literal. That's for sure. (laughs)
0: Um, uh, but it's so helpful that this comes, like you said, at the heels of his teaching on adultery, mm-hmm. right? He, he, in the verses before that, he says, um, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So right away, the reason why Jesus himself is so like hyperbolic with mm-hmm. this statement is because he knows the heart that leads to adultery, mm-hmm. right? And and so he's so direct that he's like, hey, actually, go this extent. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like you said, um, he doesn't mean literally. But essentially, he's basically saying, he's telling his hearers that bodily disfigurement is better than spending eternity in hell. Mm-hmm. And that whatever is most precious to us in our sin is not worth having Compared to the Kingdom of Heaven mm-hmm. or the Kingdom of God, absolutely, and what he is essentially saying is like nothing is worth missing heaven for, mm-hmm. and nothing is worth going to hell for, yeah, so do away with it, and honestly, like this is why we need this type of like shock mm-hmm. from Jesus himself mm-hmm. uh because we we often get spiritually complacent mm-hmm. like I'm good yeah. I, I like this yeah. is I, I like how uh, Pastor Joshua says um, mm-hmm. how he descri- how he describes it. He's like uh, any pet sin, any mm-hmm. pet sin that you have, yeah, you need to do away with it. Yeah, I remember he gave a chapel last week where he started off with uh, a picture of a few lions mm-hmm. and how this woman was basically mauled by her pet lion, um, even though she ra- basically raised it. Wow. She raised it and it ended up just, you know, mm-hmm. being what a lion is, mm-hmm. you know, a predator. Uh, you know, this, this strong, majestic animal that doesn't care if you raised it or not. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to be a lion. And it just goes to show how even though we think we have things under control, mm-hmm. more likely, especially if it's sin, it's going to... Yeah. it's going to cause us to stumble and it's going to cause us to miss out on the very yeah. thing that Jesus died for us to have.
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's so important, especially as believers that we, we take those drastic measures, no matter how silly they may look to other people. Like I have, I have a couple of friends who are my age and they literally have to have a dumb phone mm-hmm. and they're, they're believers. They've been believers for six years, seven years. Like some all their lives and that they know they're not strong enough or have the willpower enough to, to have a smartphone where they can look at whatever they want on there. So they, they honored, you know, the Lord and were like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to cut this avenue out completely. And then, I mean, what do you do if you can't, you know, use your phone? You You're not going to use it to sin if you, if it's gone, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think it is important that we do take drastic measures. You know, if, if you realize, okay, watching this show is causing me to have bad thoughts at night, or it's tripping me up, throw the show out. Who the heck cares? Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's it's good for the most part, you know? But it's
0: entertaining. Everyone's watching it. Come on, man. Dude, I, like, speaking of that, like, I had so many of my students today, today, uh, mm-hmm. ask me if I watched a specific show. Like, oh, did you see the, sen- the season finale of this show? Oh, man. And I was like, dude. Yeah. And um, it just goes to show, like... Mm-hmm. That people do hold on to the things that they just Ooh. enjoy, yeah, that they enjoy, and yeah, and I remember going through, uh, going through several of my devices mm-hmm. because, as I explained, you know, in depth in a previous episode that I titled "Uh, the Eight-Year-Old Addict," mm-hmm. where I explained like my addiction to pornography since I was eight. Mm-hmm. I, remember, I watched my first one when I was eight. Wow. Do you have any idea? That's wild, man. What it what that does to yeah, an to eight-year-old
1: brain too, and. you're eight years old well yeah and it says in the bible you know he who sins sexually or immorally sins against his body you know like
0: yeah it's it's just anyway like i go into detail there but um i i i tried everything i tried i tried covenant eyes like you guys know bo like bo was on covenant eyes with me and he uh and you know every time it was just like hey you know I messed up and then it was just this cycle mm-hmm. and I, I, it didn't work Yeah, like, for some reason it didn't work. Yeah, And so I went through a few mm-hmm. uh, devices myself and then, um, so I, I honestly, like, I'll just be honest. Like I struggled with it all the way up until, um, a month or two into our marriage. Wow. And That's I had confessed that sin to Carolyn before mm-hmm. and she had forgiven me and it obviously like it was hard it was a hard conversation uh but compared to when i confessed it being a month Mm -hmm. into marriage Mm -hmm. it it was at that point where i was like yeah no i experienced a type of broken fellowship Mm -hmm. that i never wanted to experience again yeah so for it took 18 years for me to kick it wow to kick that habit and it happened through broken mm-hmm. fellowship because it broke carolyn's mm-hmm. heart and mm-hmm. it took 18 years mm-hmm. and think about that bro you saw you
1: saw a, a person who is broken you saw it literally but think of god's heart you know yeah like every time you were sinning against him you exactly. saw it, you saw it literally like
0: and that's in, what in i see form. that that's what the beautiful thing about how God uses the people in our lives mm-hmm. to humble us, mm-hmm. to give up that sin. Yeah. Because all along, since I was eight years old, it grieved God's heart. Mm-hmm. And I, and I like had an idea of that, mm-hmm. but now it was like embodied in so a person, I, yeah. someone that I loved, someone that I literally committed mm-hmm. my entire life to, mm-hmm. uh, through covenant marriage. And now like I experienced that was, uh, I experienced the brokenness of that. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted and never want to experience that again. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it sounds, I mean, it sounds bad because it was like, um, you know, people will say like, well, it should, you, you know, it should only take knowing Mm -hmm. that you broke God's heart. That's what should change your heart. Mm -hmm. But honestly, like, yes, you know, for some Mm -hmm. that, you know, that works, Mm -hmm. but for others like me, I had to experience it, experience it on a more personal level, Mm -hmm. like in my own home. Yeah. Wow. and yeah you know by god's grace mm-hmm. even uh, like little to no little to no urges even come up mm-hmm. because the first thing that pops into my mind is like mm-hmm. if it, 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 that broken fellowship feels so fresh mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of being able to remember our sin yeah you know even though like the bible says that god um separates our sin from as far as the east is from the west Mm -hmm. that's true but we we still remember it yeah and you know praise god that you're able to remember it still because Mm -hmm. that broken fellowship is still fresh Mm -hmm. and i think it's god's grace that i that i'm able to reflect on that and be like i would Mm -hmm. never i would never do that again and i can say that confidently yeah
1: and it's a lot of times it's the consequences of the action that keep you from doing the action again you know like and God uses the consequences to keep us you know and for me that was a big part of my life i didn't i didn't want to know the consequences like i saw them already in my brother's life i didn't have to go go out party and drinking like i knew it wasn't good like i knew it you know and i wish someone would have like told me that with either pornography or um images like that because that's something that was kind of hush hush no one mm-hmm. no one would bring it up it wasn't something that was talked about so i knew you know, alcohol, I knew drugs, I knew all that, like, stay away from that. But, you know, pornography was never brought up. And sadly, like, that was something I struggled with too. Like, mm-hmm. I think every young man that has a smartphone at some point, if they're being honest with themselves, like, they've struggled with it, you know? And that's what's so dangerous and so crazy about this time we're living in is every single kid, everyone you look at, they have this iPhone in their hand where they can literally access anything. Mm -hmm. like it's wild, man. It is, And with no age restrictions, nothing like you can weasel your way onto websites and Mm -hmm. so much, but something I I wanted to mention about, uh, the point you were just talking about of just how, you know, it it was the the consequence that you realized and it stays in your mind, you know, it keeps you from, from doing it in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for me, um, another aspect is I truly believe Jesus is God. I truly believe that he's going to come again and he's going to judge every idle word that I speak, every idle thought. You know, we're we're told in the Bible to hold every thought captive. And the the point comes is where you're you're either caught. You're in a you're in a hard place, you know, where you have the choice to sin or not to sin. You know, and in those moments, you know, hopefully the Holy Spirit convicts you to not do it, but it's the realization of God is true, and if I do this, I'm going to hurt his heart. And if I truly believe that, that should that should be the ultimate thing. That should be at the very tippy top, you know? Because mm-hmm. ultimately, I mean, everyone talks about, you know, I, I love the Lord, I, I trust the Lord. And then, or even like pastors who fall into sin, you know, they they talk about, oh, I lo- love the Lord, praise the Lord, and then they fall into sin. It's like, you don't value the Lord if you're falling into these, like, these grievous sins and you're continually into them. Now, if someone struggles and they're repenting and, and then they forsake this and that's different than a continual um, giving over to it. But the desire, the desire of God's love and his affection and a relationship with him, I think should bring us to the point where we're like, I don't want to hurt your heart, Lord, whatever it is, take it from me. Mm -hmm. Whatever little thing, whether it's the music I listen to, the things I say to my my friends whether if there's anything that's not edifying or encouraging to who you are lord then take that from me mm-hmm. and that's what i think mature believers that's the point that they should get to
0: yeah and you know? honestly i'm glad you mentioned that because i struggle in this way and i'll, I'll explain it here in a, here i struggle in that that when someone asks me i want to i want to say this like clear because um it's like a It's a point of humility for me. Mm. Um, Whenever someone asks me for advice Mm -hmm. on how I kick the habit or anything like that, Mm -hmm. or if it's the same person going through this revolving door of the same sin, just constant, same cycle, nothing changes. I struggle with the urge to not say, you're not saved. You're not saved. You actually don't love God. You don't.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I know that that's the the last thing those people mm-hmm. uh, want to hear from me. But I have to fight that urge because, like you said, it that should be enough. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you you are breaking God's heart. You are sinning against a holy and righteous God. The same holy and righteous God that sent His Son, mm-hmm. His own Son, mm-hmm. to die on behalf of this sin that you so conveniently don't want to give up. Mm-hmm. That should be enough. Like that thought and the fact that he still loves you and shows mercy upon you by increasing your days still, mm-hmm. that should be enough. And so with that thought in mind, I struggle with not directly saying, you don't love God. Yeah. You're not a Christian. Yeah. right? Yeah. You, you speak through, from uh, both sides of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And it gives me this picture of being in a marriage, mm-hmm. right? If I do all of these things all in my actions, display this contrary nature of my love for my wife, mm-hmm. then someone, someone very well could say, you don't love her.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In fact, you don't know her mm-hmm. because you're not loving her in the way that she, she needs and yeah, dude, I'm glad you mentioned that because I needed to say that mm-hmm. because it's something that I struggle with. Yeah. Because I want, I want it to be direct mm-hmm. and to, I, so it's actually been two things that have helped me maintain faithfulness in that area is remembering the conviction and remembering yeah. the broken fellowship from that experience, mm-hmm. but also constantly being exposed to the reality of the pornography industry. Mm-hmm with the, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no yeah, idea. Of is. how yeah. like manipulative. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just thought people liked having sex on camera. Yeah. No, like, oh, you de- seem like you're de- enjoying de- this. De- yeah. And so I'm just, you know, I'm contributing to your career, right? Yeah. Like it's just something that I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm helping you no, yeah. in. And
1: it's a wicked industry,
0: bro. Yeah. Like I follow this page on Instagram called uh, Exodus cry. Mm-hmm. And they literally interview like ex porn stars yeah. who are, who have, who are going through addictions, mm-hmm. who have had suicidal ideations, and they're like, yeah, this producer made me do, you know, X, Y, Z things yeah. before getting behind the camera, and I just felt so humiliated, yeah. I had, like, I had makeup, I had to get drunk to do, like, yeah. it was just yeah, an influx of information that I had no idea, my teenage mind had no idea, yeah. and I I I want to mention that because I feel like people who, who... Uh, listen to this like need to hear it Mm -hmm. you know very often like hey you're contributing to sexual manipulation
1: and yeah sex trafficking sex trafficking people who are
0: literally trafficked like date rape like all of that stuff like you are contributing to that Mm -hmm. and i don't want you know obviously i don't want someone to be driven so much by their guilt to you know go to extreme measures but it's like at some point mm-hmm. you need to know the reality yeah. of the things that you're partaking in yeah and I'm glad I'm so glad you mentioned the the issue of like hey you you meditating on the fact that God sent his son to die for you and has this abundant love for you mm-hmm. you meditating on that fact should be enough mm-hmm. for you to mm-hmm. you know yeah cut off your arm yeah and or cut out your eye if it yeah. causes you to sin like that should. It shouldn't be a hard saying, yeah. Because, like, like I mentioned before, uh, this beautiful quote that's I forgot where I read it, but nothing is worth missing heaven for, and nothing is worth going to hell for. Mm -hmm. From the fact that you know who Jesus is, Mm -hmm. this is what you're missing out on. Yeah, you're not just missing out on you know this heavenly realm with Mm -hmm. clouds and like (laughs) seeing your saved family members and never having having to experience suffering again. Mm -hmm. You are missing out on the very person who made Mm -hmm. that place available for you yeah and that should be enough yeah and i i want to emphasize that more Mm -hmm. in my daily walk yeah in any like it doesn't even have to be a yeah go ahead
1: well what what you believe is what's gonna what's gonna drive you you know and i i love this analogy i was just watching this on youtube some guy he was he was talking about um He's talking about how, you know, if you were on your phone and you were looking at something you shouldn't, you know, people would say, I- I'm addicted. Like, I'm, I just can't, there's nothing I can do. I'm literally stuck. There's nothing I can do. And then he argues the point, it's not an addiction. It's you and your what you believe. And what he says is, if someone comes in the door with your brother and has him at gunpoint and says, hey, if you watch that, if you click on that link, I'm going to kill your brother right now. Would you still watch it? Would you still do it? No, because you would believe that your brother would die. You know, you would believe that it would, there'd be a consequence to the Mm -hmm. action that you would take. So many people today, they live in this superhero mentality where they believe, you know, there's no consequences for my actions. I can, I can watch whatever I want. I can do whatever drug I want, drink whatever I want. And, and for a time, you know, for a time they can get away with it. Like their body slowly degrades, but... The thing is, is there is consequences and G- and God says that he disciplines those whom he loves, you know, like you're going to get spanked by God, man. If you're a believer and you're, you're doing these wicked things mm-hmm. and what you believe, whether you believe God's going to discipline you or not, like the truth of the matter is he's going to return one day. He's going to come back and he's going to judge every idle thought. Like I said earlier, like every, every, um, We should be taken captive to Christ. Like it's true, you know. So that analogy just it helped me out, you know. Mm -hmm. It helped me understand it a little bit deeper. Like that, what we believe, whether we believe God is true, if we actually believe He's true and that there's consequences to my actions, I I might take a second to think about it, you know. Like, if I if I believe that this might actually hurt my relationship with the Lord or separate me from the Lord potentially, or lead me in a path where I forsake the Lord, then. Why would I
0: do that, yeah, and honestly, that's the key, mm-hmm. right because going back to uh my broken fellowship with my wife, I know the extent of our relationship
2: mm-hmm.
0: I've experienced that truth, mm-hmm. I've experienced that beauty, yeah that's what I don't want to jeopardize again mm-hmm. and so on the on the flip side with with whatever sin that you can't seem to get rid of or to cast from you you have to have an understanding of your relationship with god and on honestly like this Mm is a this is this is a point this is the reason why i decided to make this whole podcast Mm -hmm. is you have to delight in him absolutely you have to you have to see that relationship that you have with him as the most beautiful thing that Mm -hmm. you could ever pursue it has to be that way. Otherwise, this saying from Jesus is just sharp. Mm-hmm. It's just like overly, it's an overcorrection. Mm-hmm. It's just exaggerated for no mm-hmm. reason. But it's Jesus saying it. Yeah. And he, he above everyone else, knows mm-hmm. what we're missing out on by mm-hmm. maintaining that sin between us and God. Yeah, he He knows. He knows more than mm-hmm. we would know. But those of us who get a taste of it, we know that we don't want to miss out on that. Mm-hmm. We know that how yeah, how you know valuable stake. We, exactly we yeah. we know or we have come to know what's mm-hmm. at stake. Yeah, I don't want to lose this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose the, my relationship with my wife. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything that jeopardizes mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. fellowship. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of of something that my uh, my seminary professor talked about when he distinguished between or he made a distinguish, a distinction between fellowship and communion so as believers we will never lose communion with God and I'll explain that here in a bit so the the difference between communion and fellowship is the difference between the marital relation the marital like license the name the title and how we act behind closed doors within a home so the way that he explained both is well, the image of a marriage, mm-hmm. right? You know that you're married. Mm-hmm. The law says that you're married. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, these witnesses know that you're married. So that's like the logistical side of it. That's your communion. That's something that has been established. Mm-hmm. That's been promised. This is something that you walked into. Mm-hmm. It's on. It's on. Uh, it's on paper, yeah. right? And in the same way we commune with God because of what he accomplished through his son on our, like for, for us. Mm -hmm. And, but the fellowship, the fellowship you experience through your blood, sweat and tears Mm -hmm. through your effort. So in the home, your fellowship is directly tied to the effort that you put into it. Mm -hmm. Right. This is what I do. This is a type of thing that I, I put into my marriage so that I may have a wonderful life at home and it's the same way with with god my fellowship with god is directly tied to how much i pray you know how much mm-hmm. i pray how much i read the bible mm-hmm. how much i fellowship with a saint mm-hmm. how, how often i go to church that's what allows my fellowship with him to flourish mm-hmm. my communion with him is settled i don't know about you but i believe mm-hmm. in one saved always saved uh, and we could talk about that some other time, yeah, that'll be but another discussion that's, sure. uh, I believe in mm-hmm. eternal security, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we've talked so, about this a little bit. So, so um, do I just differently.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe I'm eternally secure as long as I abide. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> so as long as I'm in the branch, you know, I'm eternally secure. But
0: um, So I know that I am eternally secure in Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Amen. And so that I see that as communion. And so when we partake in the Lord's Supper, or you know, often referred to as communion, I am remembering or looking forward to something that will be done in heaven, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm remembering with Yes, I, I'm I'm remembering and looking forward to perfect mm-hmm. unity with Christ as we partake in the in the Lord's table mm-hmm. together. That's settled. That's my communion, similar to how. Uh, when i get married that's you know and it's obviously like there's divorce but you know to maintain the the analogy that's settled right it's on paper it's through the law you have to go through a lot of hoops to you know remove that fellowship on the other hand has to do with your effort mm-hmm. like if you want to have a fruitful relationship you have to put in the effort mm-hmm. and so the fellowship in my own home is directly tied to how i treat my how i treat my wife and how I'm intentional with her. Yeah. In the same way as it is with my relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Like I have to be intentional with it so that my relationship with him can flourish.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, I think of, um, the verse, you know, where it talks about how Jesus is, you know, it says, even if we are faithless, he is faithful. Um, and that's the thing. God is never changing. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever, you know, and we can draw near, but what He's going to look like to us is going to be dependent upon how much we receive Him, how much we absorb His Word, how much we um, sharpen each other through the Word of God, and how much we learn about Him, how much we um, memorize and meditate on what He's done and continue to reflect on the mercies He's shown us. You know, like, so many people are like, God is unchanging, but that means I can do whatever I want, you know, I can... But he's still going to love me no matter what, which obviously God, God loves everyone, but he's not going to let the guilty go unpunished. You know, those who don't have the blood of Christ covering them, there is judgment to pay, you know, and God is not changing in the sense that he is the same and we can come to him and he will always be faithful to answer our prayers. He will always be there. Like he, he is unchanging in that regard that he's just one step, one step in the right direction and he's there. And the only thing that's going to suffer is on our end because we as humans, we, we want to distance ourselves or we want to, we take on either tasks of jobs and, or video games or whatever things that get in the way of our relationship with the Lord and it hinders us. It separates us from that fellowship that you're talking about, that, that, that tight knit relationship where mm-hmm. he feels distant and in far so it's important that we stay close, that we draw near to the throne of grace, you know. I love that some verses that I wrote down. Just, I love Paul's analogies. And in 1 Corinthians, it's like, run in such a way that you're, you're running for that one purpose, for the prize, for the gold medal, you know. And in Hebrews, we don't, we don't know the author of that. But it's, rid yourselves of every obstacle in the sin which so easily entangles us, and run with endurance the race. That's set before us. Like, there's this idea of a. I get the picture of this track runner. He's mm-hmm. running down, doing the hundred meter, and you you think of a guy who's got chains on his legs. You know, someone who's got this lead jacket on. They're not that,
0: that he put on himself. Exactly, bro. And he refuses to take yeah. off. He has the power I to hate. take it off, but he won't. Yeah, you're not gonna you're
1: not gonna go very fast. You're not gonna be running that race with endurance. You know, you you want to as a mature believer, you want to rid. Your life of all those obstacles that get in the way of you and your relationship with God.
0: desperately, desperately seek out what makes them fall. Mm. So they need to be aware. They need to be prayerful. Absolutely. They need to be vigilant Absolutely. of what will cause them to fall. Mm-hmm. And so obviously what we have for you and I, what we've talked about is our past, right? Mm-hmm. You have the mistakes of the people that, that you grew up around mm-hmm. and you're able to be like, no, I know where that'll lead. I know that it's going to cause me to fall. For me, mm-hmm. I know, you know, these shows, these songs, these environments are going to cause me to fall. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to ask you as we begin to close this out, Mm -hmm. how can we as believers be prayerful and vigilant to recognize what will or what does cause us us to sin? So I want to make it a little more personal. What are some some practical ways, some disciplines that you have that keeps you from Falling back oh, into a sin that you yeah. are used to, or you know, just yeah. sin in general. Yeah, I mean,
1: the biggest thing for me is if I'm if I'm battling a, a certain thing in my life, what I do is I I either go to the scriptures and I look at okay, what does the Bible say pertaining these issues? Like, what is like, um, what are things that I can meditate on that I can write on my heart, so that when I either begin to partake in these things, I'm going to have those verses pop up in my mind. I think of Jesus in the wilderness where he's being tempted by Satan. I can make bread for you right here, Jesus. Like, you're not going to fall down. The angels will catch you, you know. And every single time Jesus is tempted, he brings up scripture. And he has scripture written on his heart to to cast down um, the darts of the enemy. So for, for me, one is just meditating on the scripture, especially things pertaining to a sin that I'm going through. Like a lot of the Proverbs, They talk of, um, so many different things in life, applicable things where, you know, if you're dealing with, um, adultery or if you're dealing with sluggardness, if you're dealing, there's a ton there that you can gravitate towards and, and apply to your life. But it's also very important that you have, you have brothers and people close to you that can encourage you and that can tell you, Hey, bro, I see you're doing this. I don't know if something's wrong. Um, I see you're kind of drifting or you're falling into this area how can I help you? Those are huge encouragements because that there's that iron sharpening iron aspect, you know, as brothers in Christ, we're supposed to sharpen each other and, and, you know, make us more like Christ. So there's that aspect as, as well. Um, I think those two are the, the biggest. And then ultimately for me, it's recognizing there's a spiritual warfare, you know, Satan, Satan is going to put images in front of me. He is going to put things and, um, I have to be cautious. I have to be mindful, not always knowing that Satan's a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, he's prowling around. He's looking, and he's looking for chinks in your armor, little ways that he can get to you. So, being vigilant of that aspect of it as well is is very helpful. So,
0: so meditating on the scripture, making sure you have a circle of accountability, mm-hmm. right, and understanding the threat of the enemy. Absolutely. Uh, honestly, one thing that I thought of when you were saying that is something that I recently told my seventh graders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the school that I work at, we have chapels every Thursday mm-hmm. and we have a message. Well, we have worship, we have a message, and then we break off into small groups. And each teacher or the majority of the the secondary teachers have a specific grade and their gender. So I have, I have the seventh grade boys. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I recently told them is i was like do you guys know that you got right now if you're a believer you are benefiting from someone else's perfect obedience to the law Mm -hmm. literally perfect obedience and those seventh grade boys i have them for seventh grade bible class yeah and in that bible class we're going we go through genesis through all the way to judges and we just finished or like we're we're in the middle of numbers right now and so we we've gone through the majority or a big portion of the of the mosaic law, mm-hmm. and so they for that for them it hit them because we spent a lot of time talking about like the little minor yeah. laws, like yeah. especially in Leviticus, yeah, and yeah, the things that are often disregarded. I'm like, and... guys, do you guys know mm-hmm. that when you worship, you are benefiting from someone else's perfect, mm-hmm. perfect, not almost, yeah, absolutely perfect obedience to the law that we're studying in this class. Yeah, and honestly, like teaching that, going through that uh, with them, that has become something that I meditate my meditate on mm-hmm. myself. Yeah, it's something that I that I constantly bring back to the forefront of my mind where I'm like, wow, God, like I'm literally benefiting mm-hmm. from someone else's perfect obedience mm-hmm. and you're still not like obviously there's blatant consequences to yeah. our sin yeah right because those are yeah. self-imposed yep of course but no, i love that but i will never receive god's curses mm-hmm. we just went through we just went through Levit- leviticus 26 where god is basically saying like hey if you obey these are your blessings mm-hmm. this is he yeah straight up like yeah. hey this is this is what you receive yep if you obey and then the majority of the the rest of the chapter yes. is like hey, if the you disobey this it. is these are your curses yeah one of them is like you're gonna be so uh this is like a paraphrase but you're gonna be so hungry that you're gonna begin eating your children dang like that you know obviously it's not a command but he's for he, he's yeah. foretelling like hey yeah. this is because you disobey, yeah. remember I'm warning you. Yeah. Because you disobey, this is going to be mm-hmm. one of the 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 repercussions of your disobedience. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, like just meditating on that on I I meditate on the Old Testament a lot mm-hmm. because it reminds me of things that I don't have to deal with. Yeah, and things
1: you should be thankful
0: for. And exactly. Yeah, and and I I I often think about this passage in First Corinthians chapter ten. Where Paul essentially summarizes the history of Israel, Mm -hmm. and he's like, Hey, all of these things happened for your instruction. Yeah, all of these things happened.
1: Yeah, they're written for your wisdom. Like, Mm
0: -hmm. for all of these things happened as examples for you, so Mm -hmm. that you don't fall into the same Same. sin that they did. That's right. And going back to what you said at the beginning, you learn from other people's mistakes. We have an entire history of a nation. (laughs) Yeah. That we get to learn from, yep, and constantly look back on because yeah. they're written, yeah. And Paul himself—it's inspired scripture mm-hmm. for us to learn from, yeah. And so,
1: yeah, it's true, man. And we yeah. think we think at times like Israel literally got brought out of um, of from Pharaoh. You know, mm-hmm. they were they were enslaved for what four hundred years, and then they get brought out. And what's a, what's one of the first things they do in the wilderness when they're brought out? They make that calf, bro, at the bottom of the mountain. They Where's Moses? Where yeah. is he? It's like, and we look at that and we're like, man, you've got to be kidding. Like, God was literally doing all these miracles part of the sea for them, bro. Mm-hmm. And yet they it, still was a, it was
0: a matter of days. It was a matter Isn't of it, days.
1: But what does that show you about human nature?
0: We're weak and we need the Holy Spirit, man. Yeah, and this is why, I mean, kind of going back to, to our passage for today, mm-hmm. this is why Jesus himself is saying, if... If something is causing you to sin, you have to cast it away. That's right. Because it's keeping you from fellowship with God. It's Mm -hmm. keeping you from fellowshipping with me. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why it was him who said it, not a writer like Paul or Peter or any of the other apostles apostles or biblical writers. It's Jesus himself. He needed to say it. And it all, oh man, thank you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Um, We're talking about Israel. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. Jesus says this. On the Sermon of the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. God gives His law from a mountain. Mm-hmm. Jesus gives this law mm-hmm. from a mountain. That's right, and He's referring back to some one of the laws, yeah, that G, that God Himself gave from that mountain, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He's clarifying something in verse twenty-seven. You have heard that it was said. You have heard that it was said. You shall not commit adultery. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, mm-hmm. this. The Sermon on the Mount is kingdom principles. Mm -hmm. This is how you are to live in light of what I will and have accomplished uh, for you. Mm -hmm. And that is fellowship with God.
1: I love that. I love that. And real quick, I love what it says right before. He he says, you know, in verse 20 of chapter 5, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter heaven. People look at that and they're like, like even the Israel, back then they were like, what do you mean? Like these are the most righteous people. These are like the people who are literally doing, they're fasting two times a week. They're doing all the ordinances of God. They're, they're tithing all the money that they get. These are the most righteous people we can think of, you know? Mm-hmm. But what does Jesus mean? You, your righteousness has to surpass that. Well, whose who's righteousness surpassed that, that we look to? Christ. That's His. Our righteousness is found in Christ. That's how we surpass
0: their righteousness. Amen, bro. And so to close this out, Mm -hmm. mentioning Jesus' perfect righteousness, uh, I want you to, for anyone who's listening to this and doesn't know Jesus Mm. or is hesitant or is questioning and saying like, ah, I don't know, man. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, I'm struggling with this. I refuse to acknowledge this sin I think I'm good. Like, I think, Mm. you know, I think I'll stand before God Mm. when I have my time. Uh, Can you help that person understand what they're up against Mm. and what will help them in the end?
1: Absolutely. One thing that helped me incredibly, if you're on the fence or you're questioning and you don't, you don't know if God's real or you're questioning whether he's, um, he's true to who he says he is in the word of God, just Go to Isaiah 52 and 53, 400 years, I believe, before Jesus. And it's prophesied that this man would come into the world and take on the sins of the world and that he would be stricken more than any man. He'd be beaten, that he'd be cursed. There's so many prophecies that point to Jesus and so many things that validate that the Bible is true and that God's word is real and it's alive. Read Isaiah 52 and 53. Scan through that. Um who does that represent who does that look like if you're on the fence and you're listening I hope we could be an encouragement to you you know miraculously Christ saved me for all I know I could have been some kid on the street in a in out in an orphanage or something or but for some reason God um was gracious to me and allowed me this ability to um to even speak on topics such as this and it's it's powerful what Christ can do in your life. Why would you, why would you throw them out? Why would you, why would you knock it if you don't try it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Your life is short. Today's going to be gone. Tomorrow's going to be gone. And soon your life is going to be gone and you're going to have to stand before the judge whether you like it or not. And it says in the Bible that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. So you can either do it now and inherit the the blessings that come with it and have an eternal life set before you or you can deny it and continue on living in the pleasures of your own lifestyle and then meet God face to face one day without his covering, without his righteousness. If I could tell you one thing, you do not want to be clothed in anything other than Christ's righteousness on that day. So,
0: amen, bro. I'm so glad uh, we had this conversation. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming on. Of
1: course, bro. Not a problem. I
0: appreciate you, man. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Don't Knock It podcast. If you want to know more about the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. If you listen on Spotify, make sure you follow and click the bell icon to get notifications for new episodes. If you listen on Apple if it would be awesome if you could rate and review the show if you haven't already. Thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez. Grace and peace, family.